Look, thank you so much, uh, Danny, for taking the time for this uh, podcast. And look, I mean, been a huge fan of, you know, Cognity as a mission-driven type company. And, uh, and you know, finally happy to be speaking with you as a talent acquisition manager. So uh, welcome to the podcast. And, um, and look, if you could start with a little intro to yourself, just to kind of get to know you a bit better. Sure. Thanks, Jose. It's an absolute uh, pleasure to be speaking with you today. I've uh, been listening to your podcast for... Uh, for quite a while now. Um, so honored to be here and hopefully I can talk around some things that will provide people with some insights in terms of what we do here at Cognity, um, but also some hopefully thought-provoking ideas um, that can encourage people to uh, consider the way that they run their, their company culture um, and some other bits and pieces. So to give you a bit of an intro, um, so I'm originally from London, UK. Uh, and I moved over here to Stockholm, Sweden, about eight years ago. Um, and then to, to zoom out a bit, I've been working in recruitment 13 years. I had to look at those dates on my own LinkedIn profile because I, I, I tried to forget. But 13 years, and I do absolutely love it still. Um, like many people, I started my career in a quite a small recruitment agency, which I think is the best training ever. I would highly recommend if anyone's considering beginning a career in recruitment and get some some experience in agency. Um, a big shout out to Hanover Recruitment. So a great place to work um, in the beginning of my career. So I worked there for a while and then I moved in-house into a, an internal uh, technical sourcing position after a couple of years. Obviously, that was very, very sourcing heavy, you know, uh, getting into the, the, the nitty gritty in the weeds um, you know, sort of lower level sourcing, running complex Boolean strings, pretty geeking out in the sourcing world. A lot of fun. Did that at Google for a couple of years and then spent some time at, at Facebook uh, over in Dublin doing a, a similar type of thing. Um, and then when I moved to Sweden, I transitioned into more of a full life cycle recruiter. So handling the entire process, a bunch of other things as well, such as headcount planning, but also you know, developing interview processes from scratch. Um and more sort of strategic work and giving some some interviewer training um, and obviously closing out those offers that you've uh, worked so hard to build uh, relationships with those candidates. Um, and I, I basically spent six years working at Klarna, who are quite a well-known uh, fintech company these days. And I think it's fair to say that I worked at Klarna before Klarna was a well-known company. Uh, I'm not sure how much of a role I had to play in that, but uh, yeah, I was there for quite a while focusing on, on tech hiring um, across multiple different locations, hiring from all over the world and, and eventually led a team. But for the last two years, I've been I've been working here at Cognity, um, which is, it's incredible, to be honest with you. It's really, really nice. It's the smallest company I've ever worked at. Uh, and there are some massive benefits to that, which I can come on to uh, soon. Um, so yeah, we're essentially in an ed tech, um, an ed educational technology uh, organization. Um, and I can, I can provide some more details in terms of who we are, what we're about, and, and how we do it uh, in a bit. Sure, sure. Well, look, I mean, thank you for that intro, uh, Danny. And, and look, I mean, definitely one of the first things I saw was, you know, a long tenure of like, uh, or quite a few roles, let's say. And, uh, you know, and especially that Klarna role is, I can imagine how much of a highlight it is. Uh, but also the move to Stockholm, I mean... Um, at least from a UK perspective, you don't see a lot of recruiters that make the move into like the Nordics. I mean, what was that like? Just to just to kind of understand a little bit. So it's a big topic. I think that on a broader perspective, 
that it's a relatively easy transition to make. I think that the cultures are generally quite similar, both in terms of life in general, but also the workplace. There are, however, some nuances to things. Um, I'd say one of the biggest things that sticks out, or two big things that sticks out, is probably the way decisions are made. It's discussed quite a lot, and it's very true that in the Nordics in general, there is very much a uh, a heavy consensus-driven culture that people should be aware of. That you need to, and you are expected to, seek the opinions of everyone who could possibly be affected by the outcome of a decision before that decision is made. And that does admittedly slow down the decision-making process. But on the other hand, it means that once that decision has been made, everyone's everyone has had the opportunity to voice their concerns and questions and they're aware of it. And so everyone's aligned once that decision is made. So the consensus-driven thing is a big thing um, here in Sweden. The other thing I would mention is the emphasis on work-life balance. Um, companies offer a very strong work-life balance and candidates, employees will expect a very strong uh, work-life balance. Uh, what that means in reality is that there is not a, there's not a, a long working hours culture here. Uh, the majority of companies do not glorify long working hours. It's typically the case that your life is number one priority in your life and work is number two which is absolutely not to say that people don't care about their jobs and careers. They really, really do, but they will not sacrifice their personal life, their, 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 their social life, their family life and family time uh, for the sake of their work. Um, I found at least when I was in the UK, which is some time ago now, um, that it was typically the other way around, you know, pretty long working hours, you know, a culture of, of presenteeism, you were, you were expected to be seen at your desk, you know, between, Nine and six, you never leave the office before your manager leave, leaves the office and things like that. Uh, whereas in Sweden, it's a, it's a lot more a lot more flexible. So those are some some key differences, I would say. Sure, sure, I can relate to that. Um, at least maybe before pandemic, especially, it was a lot of be at the office, be on time, and if you, they don't see you working, then oh, are you really working? You know, a lot of like sort of doubting of, of people almost like oh you and very kind of i guess a bit more of that micromanaging aspect uh, whereas you know i can imagine in the nordics it's it might be somewhat different um and look okay so getting into like um uh cognitive can you give us just a little kind of broad idea of like what what cognitive does in practice and how it helps students i suppose you know education right yeah absolutely I'll start with the reason that we exist and, and the why. And the reason that we exist, I think, is a very, very strong one. The reason that we exist is to radically improve learning for the world's school students. That's what we do. Every decision we make, every new feature release, every product, every new market we enter is all around trying to step towards that, to having radically improved learning for the world's school students. And the way that we do that is by offering an all-in-one curriculum-aligned teaching and learning platform. It's used by both the teachers and the students in the classroom setting. Okay, um, And without getting into the you know, specific details and features and stuff, because there's a lot of awesome features that we have in, in our platform, 
But think of it like this. We have three main products. So we offer these curriculum aligned textbooks to three main curricula. And the first one is the, the IGCSE program, which is essentially an, a more international version of the, the, the UK-based uh, GCSE program, where the students are typically 14 to 16 years old. Then we offer curriculum-aligned textbooks for the IB, or International Baccalaureate Program. I think it's quite, quite widely known, where the students are typically 16 to 19 years old. And now Nuris product offering is a US specific product, which is three science textbooks for US high school science, where the student users are 14 to 18. And I mentioned the student age groups in all of these products, but of course, these uh, our, our, our teaching and learning platform is used by the teachers as well. It provides some amazing benefits for both students and teachers. So on, on the teacher side, you've got some, some great analytics some pretty much real-time insights into how specific students are performing in specific areas within specific topics. Things that are almost impossible to replicate if you think of the standard traditional textbooks that you and I probably used in, in the classroom. Um, and on the student side, the content is so much more engaging than having a huge 300-page physical textbook in front of you. Think around things like interactive diagrams and drag and drop quizzes. Like our biology textbook is a fantastic example, I think, because it has an interactive like 3D diagram of a cell, which you can drag in pretty much any direction to see how that's structured. And again, it's very hard to visualize a cell in a biology lesson if you're merely looking at a, a flat picture in a textbook. So a lot more engaging, a lot more helpful for teachers. Um, so it's a very, very impactful uh, platform that we have amazing amazing and just to just to get a little a quick little timeline but when did you guys uh start when was it founded thereabouts so, so um cognity was founded about eight years ago um yeah this is 2015 if i'm correct so we've been around about eight years you know pretty established you know we know the market uh very very well we know our different markets very very well established product market fit early on and uh, we've been growing since then of course of course and and like any funding along the way or has it all been kind of like you know self-funded you know growth you know it's a little bit of both there's been some some funding along the way uh our last funding round was uh, it was just over two years ago um and we have uh we have quite a, a healthy uh financial setup um, in terms of, you know, potential runway. Um, so basically, we're not incredibly dependent um, on the next round of funding, for example. So we're quite quite sustainable from that perspective. And I guess coming back to, um, so so super interesting mission and, and definitely education is, is so important. So there's definitely that component there, but looking more internally also and the work and culture what what would make cognity a great place to to work you know why would someone want to join yeah there are some really strong points and, and quite a few of them um and i'll, I'll go through them in, in no particular order i think first of all i want to say that we have a very very meaningful platform right 
we have a very meaningful product. If you think about our vision, we're trying to radically improve learning for the world's school students. That's very hard to compete against in terms of vision and mission, but it's also something that employees feel through everything they're, do they're, they're doing because we focus very heavily on uh, making sure that everything we're doing is aligned to that vision, though not, we're not being pulled in different directions. So having that real meaning, um, it's also a very, very strong uh, selling point, a very strong value proposition for candidates because we have these dialogues all the time uh, and without mentioning any any specific industries of course not you know that meaning that very very strong meaning and sense of purpose doesn't exist in in other in other industries in the same way it does in ours um we're very we are very genuinely value driven which means that our values aren't just nice things up on the wall um, they're not even on the wall, but they're not just nice things up on the website, for example. They're things that are actually used and they they genuinely are reflected in the day-to-day -day work experience of, of employees. And I'll, I'll go through them very, very quickly, but um, again, no particular order. But we have uh, maximizing progress, which is around focusing on what's important and, and having the psychological safety in the company where it's okay to say no to things. It's okay to challenge the importance of things. Um, if you think about the you know 80 20 uh, principle for example so focusing on things that actually drive value um and, and being comfortable with um you know declining specific meetings or initiatives or, or challenging their importance we have ownership which is i know that many companies like to use this value as well what it means to us is where people are actually empowered to make decisions like in the vast majority of cases, of course, there are situations where it doesn't make sense. Like you can't just go and launch in a new market without telling anyone. But in the vast majority of, of situations, we empower our employees and give them the trust and autonomy to, to own a situation, not just the problem, but also the solution as well. Um, we drive customer value. You know, everything we do has, has to have the user in mind. A project might be fun to do for that particular employee, but if there's no value added to the customer, either now or in the long term, um, then then we won't do it because it's not driving customer value. Um, we're very very transparent. We you know we tell the truth. We give feedback to each other in a constructive way, which is quite tricky to get right. And I think that we've really got it right because it, here at Cognity, it's around labeling your own emotions rather than just handing out criticism to everyone because that's not the type of culture that we want. Um, and lastly, but absolutely not least, we take care of ourselves. I talked around work-life balance. It's a real thing here at Cognity. It doesn't mean that we don't work hard. It means that we don't, like I say, glorify long working hours. You're not going to receive messages from your manager or team lead or colleagues on a weekend. You will not be expected to jump on calls at you know, very, very late uh, evening calls and stuff like that. When people are sick, they're sick. When they're on vacation, they're disconnected you know, apps uninstalled. And this comes from the management team and everyone. Um, so it's very, very good that we have these strong role models who, who exemplify these values. Long explanation of the values, but they're super important. You know, it's it's absolutely normal and it's encouraged to reference these values when you're in discussions with, with people internally. That's quite a, a common thing. Um, we offer remote working within the country of employment. So we have 120 employees across the US, the UK, and Sweden, and people can work remotely from anywhere in any one of those uh, countries. So that's been a, a massive uh, selling point. Um, it ties into our, you know, our culture of trust, 
and autonomy and freedom we trust people to to deliver we're very outcomes focused we're not time focused no one will ever say to anyone here i expect to see you online between the hours of 8 and 5 you know we don't have a presenteeism culture it's more around the results that we're delivering um because we have people across different time zones and because we you know we're working remotely we're also quite flexible with work hours we are we have become and we are becoming more asynchronous heavy so we use a lot of tools such as slack you know um collaborative documents google docs for example what we've started to do a lot more of and i think this can feel quite awkward at first but once you get into it it's awesome so things like voice and screen recordings because sometimes you can only truly accurately portray your thoughts feelings and emotions using your voice rather than uh, an email or a slack message for example um and particularly within engineering but also other things if you record your screen with a little kind of tutorial this is how you solve this problem um that's been been very very beneficial uh we have truly helpful colleagues which i think sounds a little bit fluffy but what it means is it's very prestigeless very egoless people will actually help you um if they don't have the answer they'll go and find out for you or tell you where you can find that document you will not receive an answer such as i have no idea sorry i'm too busy that's not my area um so it's it's a, it's a really nice uh, collaborative culture um in that way um and we're also quite typical in terms of scandinavian organizational structure and that we're quite flat and again to translate that something into day to day you can message anyone or speak to anyone about anything at any time within reasonable hours right <laughs> um but you can go ping the our ceo hugo about something for example and you will never get the response of please don't come to me directly please only go to your manager and ask them to escalate it um so there's a real a real lack of hierarchy which i think creates real uh, a comfortable uh, feeling uh, sort of an in, an informal culture um the last thing i want to mention is that it's it's quite common that our employees will have direct interaction with our customers uh, and those are typically teachers at at schools uh, wherever they may be but that could be engineering design product marketing for example so rather than us just receiving a request in the form of some type of jira ticket or coming through customer support and then they pass it on to product we pass it on to marketing we're actually speaking and engaging with our end users and they would share their screen they would tell us features they love why they love them or or, or frustrations they're having with our platform so that that direct communication is is uh, is very much uh, appreciated let's say particularly within engineering those are just some of the things i can think of um at, at the moment of course of course and i mean it kind of reminds me of you know when candidates ask you like oh why did you uh, what what do you like about the company or why did you join you know and uh, and you know i can relate to that you know at at my company also one of the things we lead with is that mission driven type uh, approach to solving problems to serving customers you know so and it kind of you know having good values it kind of filters uh, the employees that come in right because if you lead with that if you um uh put that on your branding on your career page on your job applications uh but also on the interviewers if they project that uh you know that attracts 
those like-minded people that are great to work with that uh you know value customers that value the mission the the company's vision and 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 the company values right so so i can relate to to that approach um but also you know seems overall like a very mature workplace also um in terms of like oh uh giving people ownership you know not micromanaging but like empowering them to to organize their day and make decisions um so that's uh you know i can i can really see why why it's a great place to uh, to work with in particular i guess that that psychological safety also because a lot of companies would say like oh yeah you know you can sit, tell me anything you can you know give me any criticism i can handle it but then when you actually engage with them it's like oh actually you know in theory there was like they told me about uh you know being an inclusive workplace and psychological safety but then in practice oh that's not quite the case you know so it's it's great to see that there's companies out there that do kind of um 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 uh uh you know not just talk the talk but also walk the walk right so actually um uh, uh implement certain things or processes to to show that the values that you put online are also the values that you'll find in the workplace yeah absolutely i think the psychological safety is is something that doesn't just exist because you want it to exist it's something you have to put a lot of effort into creating and and also maintaining like it, it, it's it's a it's super super key thing um on the value side we you know as part of our interview process for example we have for every single position we have an entire hour which is a values interview which is essentially a behavioral interview um, going through candidates' previous experience, but every question is related to one of our values. And um, I think people might be surprised to know that we actually reject quite a few people who they have demonstrated the core competence for the position in a previous or, or you know yeah, previous skills interview that tests the actual skills for that, that specific job. But we, we may reject them in the values interview because we can have someone who's great at the actual day-to-day -day work but if we think we're potentially compromising in any of the values, I mean, you know, it, it it pretty much only takes one person to upset the morale engagement and 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 to dilute the value driven culture for for pretty much everyone around them. So it means that we tend to be quite careful when we're hiring. Uh, we can be quite cautious. Um, you know, if we if we haven't have any doubts in in, in particular um, on the on the value side of things. Um, we tend to just not proceed with that particular person because the potential downside is a lot greater than the potential upside. Um, so yeah, it's something that we actually uh, something where we actually uh, walk the walk as well as uh, as talk the talk. And you know, so so that kind of answers a follow up question I had about you know what type of person would would thrive in your environment. I guess kind of people that match those values that. Um, you know value kind of that flat structure or engaging with with customers or just being a value driven type type person um any any sort of type of profiles you've seen in the past where oh you know let's say um if they're from certain industries or certain companies or or maybe any kind of um kind of components you you see early on when phone screening people that it's like oh this one this could be a great match for uh for um for uh cognitive like in terms of the person you you speak with 
Yeah, sure. So from a recruiting perspective, we've adopted the whole like persona approach. We have a bunch of different personas that can be suited to the majority of positions we're hiring for. Um, I guess, obviously, but um, teachers, either current teachers or ex-teachers, um, or, or pretty much anyone in, in the you know who's had any type of uh, uh, educational experience, even if it were a, a, a teaching assistant type of role, uh, a coordinator in a school, um, that's that's super interesting to us for a whole bunch of reasons, such as they know you know how decisions are made within the school. They can speak the language. They can easily build rapport with our end users. They understand their pain points because they're the same pain points they've gone through. Um, so that's one persona that we are particularly interested in, particularly when we're hiring for salespeople. Uh, that's a very, very um, interesting type of persona. Um, we also look at people who are working at other, uh, shall we say, uh, companies doing good things for the world, uh, for example. So whether it's around um, climate change or green energy or healthcare or other uh, educational or learning platforms in general, that's another another type of person. Um, but on the flip side, you know, we get a lot of interest, of course, from people who are working in industries where they don't have such a, a value-driven culture, but they don't have such a strong purpose. Um, and I won't mention you know, specific industries, but I'm sure you can imagine that sometimes people like the data they work in their actual job, but they're not exactly passionate around the area their company is operating in. So I'd say that's like the, the third third persona uh, type of type of person who we think would um, would be interested in in our environment. But if I think around characteristics of the people, I think you have to be able to and you have to want to operate with a higher level of self organization and autonomy, because we do have a culture like that. And I know there are, of course, individuals in the workforce and there are many companies where they have a culture where there is a very, very clear set of step-by-step -step instructions in terms of how to carry out every task. We don't have a culture like that. Um, you know, we have, a, like I say, a culture of, of ownership, autonomy and empowerment. Um, there's a very good business book, which I think is called Turn the Ship Around by David Marquette. Um which is around, we want employees to not just go to their leaders and colleagues with problems like, hey, I can't find any candidates, but also present me with your intentions. Identify the problem, then you are empowered to come up with possible solutions and present me with your intentions. I can't find any candidates. And I've decided that we, we should drop the this requirement from our requirements list and branch our search out and that will give us 250 more potential candidates to reach out to what do you think so that type of culture where you want to behave in in, in that way um or you know also someone who who likes collaboration yeah we're remote and we have flexible hours and there are some things we do asynchronously but bouncing ideas around sharing your ideas and hearing ideas from others and being comfortable with disagreeing and criticizing an idea versus criticizing a person. Um, that's really important to us. That's a big part of the way the way that we work. Um, those are some of some of the most important things um, that we think uh, that we really care about. Yeah, you know, we I've seen that also at, uh, at at my company. I mean, when it comes to things like people out like obviously if you're mission driven and you're passionate about the work that's one thing but also 
uh, um, us being a startup, uh, we uh, because of the industry, we hire sometimes a lot from like large established lenders and banks. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's interesting to have these discussions because they're people that have been a decade or two at their current company, you know, and and now they saw a startup and they think, oh, let me make a move to 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 a whole different world, you know. So that's always uh, a very interesting type of. Uh, type of candidate to uh, to engage with. Um, just uh, on a on a final note, and the the final co- kind of question or topic is in terms of like uh, onboarding benefits. You know, what would that kind of look like at um, at Cognity? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll, um, speaking. I'll, I'll skip skim over these things. Uh, of course, they're very very important to us. Um, onboarding. We have a thorough onboarding program for everyone who joins us. Um, this includes an introduction with um, every single team. So the team lead from every single team will, perf- will perform an introduction uh, to the, the new employee in terms of what they do. Um, but it's also a Q&A, like the person can ask questions around how are you, why are you structured that way? Um, you know, what what type of uh, problems does your team work on? So there's that. Um, of course, I say, of course, I know it doesn't happen everywhere, but there's very, very regular check-ins with their leader. That's an incredibly important relationship. Um, we have structured uh, 30, 60, uh, 90 day plans as well. So so constant collaboration um, in terms of that. Um, we can also talk around benefits. Um, I'll give a general overview because we have three countries, um, but there are some um, some common benefits um, that we offer. Um, we offer vacation. Of course, we offer vacation, but we offer 30 days vacation uh, for all locations, whether you're in Sweden or the UK or the US. Uh, it's massively appreciated, um, especially in the US, where I understand it's higher than the average. Uh, there's also the ability to to purchase more, so exchange some of your salary for more vacation days if you like. Um, we have pensions or 401k plans, uh, depending on where you're based. Um, there's paid parental leave. We have a stock options program. There's a home office allowance. There's a health and fitness allowance. Um, we've been experimenting with half-day Fridays over the summer. Uh, for the last uh, couple of years, uh, which is something we'll be running again uh, this year. But yeah, in terms of uh, structured benefits, that's what I can I can cover there. Um, there's there's other things in terms of learning and development that I'll I'll just give a quick uh, quick touch to because it's it's very very important. Three main parts of learning and development. So we have company wide learning and development initiatives that are tied to our values. Like I say, everything is is tied to the values, so we don't lose track of what we're trying to do. We have lots of uh, external speakers and, and workshops. Uh, we've got something called the, the Cognity uh, Academy, uh, where an example of something we do is, is regular book circles and discussions, again, around, around things that are related to our, to our values. Uh, lots of wellness in- initiatives, uh, meditation um, workshops, uh, yoga sessions and stuff. There's also team-specific training, which is owned by the team lead. Depends on the needs of the team. For sales, it could be role training, uh, role playing, uh, get an external trainer in. Uh, and my team, people and culture, we have a budget uh, per person um, for, for employees here. Um, but one last thing I want to mention on learning and development, all of these things are nice and great. And it's awesome when companies have a learning and development budget and give people money or access to learning resources. But it doesn't mean much if you don't give your employees the time to go and engage in these learning and development activities. And we think that's one of the most important aspects of it. So we have a culture where it's totally fine and encouraged 
to block time for learning and development. You need, you want to watch a webinar, cool. You want to ex- attend an external course, fine. Like that, that's totally fine. You know, back to our culture of transparency, that's in your calendar, everyone can see it. Management team are doing it, leaders are doing it, everyone's doing it, so it's important. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, especially at a like an ad tech type company, I can imagine how learning and development is kind of one of the top areas of like benefits and 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 kind of shapes the workplace culture. So so thank you for going into into detail, Danny. Uh, well, look to, to wrap up for more questions about the roles, what opportunities there are at um, at Cognity and, and maybe to get in touch with you even like where can we go? Uh, you can get in touch with me by finding me on LinkedIn. That's the only social uh, network platform that I exist on, um, which is working out great. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can go to cognity.com. Uh, there's a link to our, our careers page there uh, where we talk a bit more about our, our culture. Uh, you can see some some photos, some videos, and you can see our, our open positions. But yeah, if anyone would like to reach out to me to discuss uh, anything recruitment related, then uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, look, Danny, thank you for telling us so much about Cognity. It seems like an amazing workplace and it was a pleasure getting to know you a bit better. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure.